Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. I am so glad that you decided to spend a few minutes with us today. My name is Jeff Bernier. I am your monthly guide and host of the Money and Meaning Show. And uh, as you know, this show is really all about helping you get clear on what matters most. So create some clarity in your life. So encouragement around how to create some clarity around what matters most. And then secondly, how do we create the financial capacity to go pursue our vision, our vision of a meaningful life, of what matters most. So we try to combine a conversation around means and meaning. And so I'm so happy that you decided to, to be with us today. You know, as we venture through these discussions, um, you know, I, I try to bring on some great guests that can help us in both of those areas, uh, thinking deeply about what matters and also uh, how do we create the wealth management strategies that can give us the freedom and confidence to go pursue our ver version of a meaningful life. And as I've talked many, many times on this show, you know, the work that we do is largely a collaboration with other people. And I think today is going to be a great example of that. You know, I've, I've talked also about having who luck, having met some really talented people that help us do what we do in our firm and our guest today is is a repeat guest, uh, and she is a great example of that. And uh, so I'm going to introduce to you here shortly, Alicia Lipscomb with the Social Security Administration. But let me just talk for a minute about how I met Alicia. You know, I go to a lot of conferences and best practice meetings and both technical um, knowledge uh, to learn. Uh, and, you know, years and years ago, I was at one and we brought in one of our organizations, brought in Alicia Lipscomb to speak about the ins and out of Social Security. And she just blew me away. Uh, very talented in sharing a lot of complex subject matter around Social Security, uh, but a great resource to our industry. So she has been a repeat guest as well at a lot of industry conferences that I've attended that uh, that that uh, that she's been very helpful. So let me introduce Alicia. Alicia Lipscomb is a public affairs specialist with the Social Security Administration here in the Georgia office, and uh, she is uh, an expert all things Social Security. So welcome, Alicia, to the Money and Meaning Show. Thank you so much, Jeff, and I hope you're having a wonderful day today. I'm very excited to speak with you today. Well, th thanks for being here, and and again, thanks again for for the return visit. I know you came onto the show two or three years ago, and uh, I thought it was just time for a refresher. And uh, so, thanks for thanks for coming back. Uh, you know, as our normal practice, I I like for our guest to at least know a little bit about uh, our our guest. Uh, so, do you mind telling our audience just a little about yourself and your family, and uh, kind of what 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 you're all about? Sure, Jeff. Well, I am a um, I'm a military brat. My father did uh, 26 years serving the military, so we travel around the world. Uh, government service, 
you know, was a big part of what we grew up with. So I graduated from the University of Georgia, go dogs, uh, back in 2001. And then a month later, I started working for social security. So oh, wow. I had no Your idea what I was getting into. Yeah. I mean, so now I have 22 years with the social security administration. I am currently married and I have two wonderful children, um, Charles and Cecilia. So it's a life balance between work and home. And I think we all are quite aware of that. And also another factor I think a lot of us are experiencing is aging parents. So we're sort of all part of that sandwich generation. So we're learning a lot about life and um, I love what I do. I love meeting with people and I'm grateful to be a part of your show today. Well, you've been a great advocate um, for both our clients. It's interesting. You know, you've been a resource to me and our firm. And of course, others in your office that you've Uh sent us to uh, have been a great advocate for our clients as we have unique situations or technical challenges that we want to find out more about. Uh, But you're also a great advocate for the administration. So I think that's that that's that's awesome. Um, so tell us what your role is. You you have, I think, more than one role, but tell me what your role is as uh, in your office. Well, my official title is called a public affairs specialist. But as we know, we are we wear many hats in any job that we do. My job is to help the public understand our programs, benefits and services. If there's any service changes, such as what we went through the pandemic with limited in-person service, our job was to help educate the public on how to conduct business with Social Security, how to find the information you need from us. Sometimes the traditional routes aren't the way to go. And some people don't know there's different ways to communicate with us. So that was a big part of it. We also work with advocacy groups and organizations to help do training. We work with large employers. We do tons and tons of pre-retirement seminars nationwide. You can always contact a public affairs specialist. We're glad to come out, work with your organization to help your employees understand more about benefits and programs. Because we want to make sure people have a base knowledge and hear it straight from us versus third parties who at times may misinform the public. So that's why we always encourage um, you to speak directly with us. That's our job to go and educate the public mostly. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you're well, you're really good at it. So uh thank thank you for your service to that. Um, so t- tell me just quickly here a little bit about the history of Social Security. I know uh the act was signed in 1935, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been a number of changes since then. So give me give me just a brief history of, of the program. Well, um, the Social Security Act was signed in August of 1935. As we know, there's a famous picture of Franklin Delano Roosevelt surrounded by everybody else signing the Social Security Act. And it was in response to the Great Depression, as we all know. And so it was a way it was really meant to be a retirement plan at first. Then we morphed over the years to include disability benefits and survivor benefits and spousal benefits to serve as um, a supplement to your general income through your tax contributions. So that's how we started out. And just for a little bit of history, the first person to ever ever receive a first Social Security check, her name was Ida Mae Fuller from Ludlow, Vermont. (laughs) She got her first benefit in 1940. She lived for 100 years, everybody. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she did pretty well. You can argue about that. But again, we're a big part of the financial background. I would say financial pyramid made people have for retirement planning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's great. And and again, it was started as quote social insurance. So we're paying uh-huh. a premium. The the you know we're all paying a premium for the insurance. So it's it's not welfare. It's it's not uh-huh. anything like that. It is social insurance that um uh you know when it was started that was you know that was how it was designed. Um yeah, you you mentioned this uh, just then in, in citing. You know we've always talked 
uh, you know, you hear financial guys like me talk about the three-legged stool, you know, uh-huh. about, uh, you know, we've got our employer benefits. So we've got workplace benefits, either retirement uh-huh. or health benefits or life insurance benefits. So we've got employer-sponsored plans. That's one third of the three-legged stool, I uh-huh. guess. We've got our own savings and investments that we have uh-huh. control over. Uh-huh. Uh, this has become more and more important as employer benefits have gotten more defined contribution and not defined benefit. So the second leg is our own benefits that we provide to ourselves through our own savings and investing. And then thirdly, we've got government benefits like Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. And I I just read recently um, that according to the Center for Budget Policy and Priorities, that the average retiree in 65, uh, at age 65 in 2022, uh, could look to replace about 37% on average. Now, this is across uh-huh. a big demographic, so there's a lot of exceptions to this. But over 30% of your retirement resources were being provided by Social Security. So why don't you just kind of give us, um, you know, uh, a little bit, a 101 on eligibility and how to apply and what you're going to get, you know, sort of the sort of the basics of the way the program works, the retirement okay. program. Okay. Well, yeah, and that's very true. Um, the average range we give is 30 to 40% of replacing your current income. Well, with Social Security, the way we compute your benefits is actually based on your top 35 years of work. So your highest years of work adjusted for inflation, which is also known as the COLA, is what we use in our base computation. For 2023, the cost of living adjustment was 8.7%, right. one of the largest we have had in a very long time. And in 2022, is 5.9%. So that was added into your computation even if you're not getting benefits. We're an inflation-based benefit. Also on top of the early stage for anybody to receive a benefit based on your own earnings record is as early as age 62, which is known as early reduced retirement. The next stage we can go to is called full retirement age, which is actually based on your year of birth. And that change happened back in 1983. So if you're not sure about your full retirement age, which some people call normal retirement age, you may hear that terminology also, you can visit our website and we have a calculator where you can figure out your full retirement age. But again, it's not age 65 anymore is the simplest way to put it. Then we have age 70, which is known as delayed retirement, where if you wait longer, you may get a high, you will get a higher benefit. But again, it's based on your own work history. So the more you've worked and worked consistently and earned over your lifetime does equate to a larger social security benefit through your tax contributions. Right. So uh, early, re- early retirement where you get a reduction in benefits of age uh-huh. two, and how much is the reduction if you re- if you do early benefits? Okay. Um, it is actually based on your own full retirement age. But to give you an example, if your full retirement age is age 67, that's for anybody born 1960 or later, your benefit is reduced down by 30%. So you, right. you would only receive 70% of your benefit computation for the rest of your life. That's a big thing we want to emphasize. You take it early, you're locked into that percentage for the rest of your life. Right. Okay. And then let's go the other way. Mm-hmm. If your normal retirement is 67 and you delay, how much does your benefit go up for delaying if you move out to, say, age 70, as an example? And I believe it's, that, a, it's a monthly adjustment, right? Based yes, on the it is a monthly yeah. adjustment. It is. And on average, just to let you, it's 8% for every 12 months you delay from your own full retirement age up to age 70. So if I waited till age 70 to start my benefits and my full retirement is age 67, the most I could receive from Social Security is 124%. Yeah, to see so some it, numbers there. 
Yeah. So your choice of when to select your benefits is significant. Yes. And, you know, many, you know, many people today, um, you know, are reluctant to delay. Uh, uh-huh. And when you go out to the marketplace and you look at commercial annuities, uh, I mean, this is a really, really attractive annuity uh, delaying. If you think about the decision to delay, for many mm-hmm. people can be a really, really wise thing to do. Even if you end up consuming some of your capital uh, from age 60, uh, 67 mm-hmm. to 70 in order to delay. Now, again, it's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Your health history, you know, your marital status, a, a lot of things go into it. Your risk tolerance. Uh, mm-hmm. But it can be it can be in- incredibly attractive to delay for many, many people. But I, I find a lot of people say, well, I've paid into it. I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to justify delaying. How do you advise participants when they're trying to weigh this decision on mm-hmm. taking it early, taking it at normal retirement or delay? We always first tell people it is your own personal decision, but we always lay out the factors to think about. Number one, if you take it early, you're locked into that percentage for the rest of your life. So you have to take that into consideration. Number two, when are you going to stop working? That is a big factor because we do have a rule at Social Security. If you take your benefits before your full retirement age and you are working, continuing to work or return back to work, and it's only earnings that are W-2 earnings or net earnings from self-employment, If you're earning over the certain limit for the year, which in 2023 is $21,240, we're going to withhold a portion of your benefits. Hmm. So that is a big factor people don't realize that could affect their benefits. And we've got a great calculator on our website to help you figure that out. But that's probably the second most important factor we tell people to look at because we do have some people who earn so much, they receive zero benefits for the entire year. And also, if you wait till your own full retirement age, you can continue to work and doesn't affect your benefits at all. So that's probably, I would say work is probably the biggest factor for people making that decision. And also in delaying benefits too, because if we're going to continue to work, a lot of people say, well, I'm just going to continue to work. This is enough income to support myself. Why not get the extra 8%? So we do see that often. So I would say work is probably the biggest factor. Also your health is another factor. And some people, they just want to hang it up and enjoy life. And that's their decision. And we can't tell them otherwise. Right. Well, it, well, of, of course, it's a, it, it is a, you know, it is a multifactor and we don't, mm-hmm. none of us know the future. I mean, mm-hmm. we, but I, I think people tend to underestimate their life expectancy. Yes. By general layman's um, anecdotal evidence that people tend to delay or tend to, and they, and they, and they do because they're thinking about, our parents or our grandparents. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously we are, we are on average, we're living longer. At least our, our typical client is mm-hmm. living longer because we, you know, they're, they're healthier on, on average. So let's talk about spousal benefits mm-hmm. and the timing between uh, picking one benefit versus the other. And, you know, several years ago, there were much, there were more choices mm-hmm. on electing spousal benefits. That's, uh, that's not as favorable as it once was, but it's also very, it's a lot simpler as well. Yes, it is. <laughs> so let's talk about, you've got two spouses mm-hmm. with different earnings histories. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what choices do they have? Can one delay and one not delay and collect early? And what are the, what are the things that you think about in advising a married couple that both have their own benefits? 
Okay. Well, with married spousal benefits, is again, is a holdover back to the 30s and 40s. Back then, we had a more typical one-income households. Now, in this day and age, we have two-income households or individuals who are single. But if you're a married couple, the factors we look at to determine if you're eligible for an additional benefit at all is based on what I call the 50% rule. Because okay. the most a married spouse can receive from a worker, if they're dependent on them, because they have little no work history, is 50% of the worker's 100%. So let's say, for example, we've got a couple, Lucy and Joe. Joe's benefit is $1,800 a month. Lucy's benefit is $1,200 a month. We have a rule at Social Security. We're always going to pay whatever is the higher benefit for the individual. So we know half of Joe's benefit is only $900. We know Lucy's benefit is $1,200. So by law, Lucy is determined not to be dependent on Joe. So she would keep getting her $1,200 and Joe would keep getting his $1,800. So they're two separate individuals there. And you cannot pick and choose anymore. If you're born after January of, uh, January of 1954, you cannot pick and choose. You're sort of set in stone when it comes to that because I really want to focus on people who are truly dependent are going to receive that additional spousal benefit. And I forgot to mention to qualify as a married spouse, you have to be married to the person for at least one consecutive year or more. That's a factor there because we're seeing a lot of people later on in life getting remarried. Right. And I'm getting this question a lot. Uh, recently, two weeks ago, I had a woman who just been married for four months and got remarried in her 70s. And she was asking this question. So it is occurring there with spousal benefits. And the same rule would apply if, say, let's say Lucy's benefit was only $400 a month, just to simplify it. Sure. You know, half of Joe's is 900 So if Joe has filed an application, and Lucy has filed an application. They both have to be receiving a benefit. That's when the extra income would kick in for Lucy. Because if Joe needs it, then it's assumed Lucy needs it. And Lucy has to be at least age 62 or older also to get the additional spousal benefit. Gotcha. So if it's true in that situation, we kick in the extra 500 to her. If she's at full retirement age, just to let you know. And then she would jump, bump up to the $900 is how we would do it. Yeah, she wouldn't get less than, with mm -hmm. the two benefits combined, she wouldn't get less than 50% of his yes. normal retirement calculation. Yes. Gotcha. Well, could in that case could 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 they collect they could collect on Lucy though, correct? That was getting the 1200 I think in your first example. Mm. Joe could still delay his, is that correct? No, he can't anymore. After January if you were born after January 1st of 1954, that rule is no longer in place. No, I mean she was collecting on her own record at her normal yes. retirement. And he but he could delay his could he not? Oh, yes. He doesn't. Yeah. If Lucy gets her own. Now I see. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Dean filing. I apologize for that. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's really Joe's choice whenever he wants to file. But well, he could still so, delay the 70 and yes. collect hers at normal retirement and let his grow at 8% a year. She would only get her benefit and he could only get his benefit. Right. So Correct. she would file Correct. first. He can let his go because they're independent. He can make his own choice and then he can switch to age 70 to get the larger benefit. It's really your own personal choice when they have their own benefits. You're not tied to each other at all. Gotcha. Okay. So let's say in that example, Lucy gets her 1200 a month starting uh -huh. at 67. Uh -huh. Joe delays his for three more years. Let's say they're uh -huh. the same age. He starts collecting his age 70 benefit with the uh -huh. delayed credits. Uh -huh. Any Will there be any changes to Lucy's? Actually, no, there okay. would not be any change because that extra 8% that Joe is receiving is based on him. It does yeah. not apply to dependents. And that's a really good question, Jeff, to bring up because that's where people do 
plan incorrectly and they assume extra income will be coming in. The most a married spouse can receive is up to 50% of the workers, 100%. So that was a really good question, Jeff, to ask about that gotcha. one. Okay. So Joe delayed till 70, uh-huh. Lucy collected at 67, uh-huh. at 70, he gets a larger benefit. Her, her benefit goes up because of COLA, because of cost right. of mm-hmm. but no other adjustments. No other adjustments. Yeah. And if Joe passes away mm-hmm. after 70, what does Lucy get? Lucy's going to bump up to Joe's amount. There we go. So his she'll bump up. age 67 mm-hmm. amount or his age 70 amount? Age 70 amount. What they were receiving when they passed away, what they were eligible for when they passed away. So that's why having that conversation, when to start receiving benefits, is critical. Right. Because if Joe took it earlier, Lucy would have, I mean, been stuck with a lesser amount for the rest of her life. Right. So that's a part you have to have that conversation. So delaying could also be a really, a really good thing in terms of survivor benefits. Yes. Uh, for the spouse. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, so it does give you some some things to think mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, um, you know, you helped me with a case a while back. How does uh, we, we just talked about survivor benefits. Can you just mm-hmm. talk briefly about disability and survivor benefits through the program? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, we at Social Security, if you're an individual, excuse me, who's found disabled per the Social Security Act, which is a very strict definition, where you must have a condition that's expected to last more than 12 months or result in death. Now that you've been out of work for 12 months, um, it's a very strict definition. And when you have somebody who's currently receiving Social Security disability benefits, we consider them fully retired because they have the inability to work. So if I had um, a, a customer who is 59 years old, currently receiving Social Security benefits as a disabled individual, they're getting their 100% now. They don't have to wait till full retirement age. So if that customer passed away and they had a spouse who say, for example, is age 60. As a survivor, if you're married to them for more than nine consecutive months before they passed away, at age 60, a person who is not working, because that work rule I talked about does apply to survivor benefits, just want to throw that out there, right. could receive 71.5% of the deceased worker's 100% benefit at age 60. If they wanted to wait till 62, it's 82.5%. So as you can see, as we get Older, the percentages increase, and if till they wait till their survivor's full retirement age, it's a hundred percent of the deceased worker's benefit. So, if I'm the spouse at sixty, I could technically start receiving seventy-one point five percent of my deceased spouse's benefit. And let's say that amount is only a thousand dollars a month. My own social security benefit at full retirement age, let's say, is a thousand dollars a month. Also, I have the option of taking my widow's benefit or survivor's benefit at age 60, start receiving $715 a month, 71.5% of the thousand. I can receive that for the next 10 years. And during that time, me as a living individual can put my benefit, I say, put it in your back pocket and let it grow and grow and grow. Then I could switch to my benefit at age 70 and get 124 to 132%, depending on my full retirement age, of my benefit amount. So the living person has the option of delaying their own benefit and then taking the reduced benefit from the deceased worker. And the easiest way to figure this out is look at your social security statement, go online, create an online account called a My Social Security account. Look at your social security statement. You're gonna look at your age 70 amount and compare it to your spouse's full retirement age amount or 100% amount. So that'll give you an idea. If so-and-so passes away first, this is my option. Gotcha. But let's say my benefit will always be less. 
I can take my own benefit at 62 and then switch to my deceased spouse's benefit at my full retirement age to get the higher benefit amount. Oh, wow. Okay. So you can collect on your own record in mm-hmm. like the survivor benefit later. Yes. Okay. I was, I was not thinking about that mm-hmm. in the, in the case that we had. Okay. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's very interesting and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so uh, the key takeaway there is you can collect a survivor benefit and mm-hmm. still delay your own benefit if that's yes. beneficial to you. Right. Yeah. So very, very helpful. You know, I, I know we have a, a number of people that come visit our firm after they made a, a decision mm-hmm. times recently because they're in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I know back um, previously you could do a do over. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, if you if you decided to change your mind, is that still a possibility for people that say, look, I'd normal retirement 67. Instead, they start collecting at 64 for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And is there any option to change their mind and go back and delay it? Uh, there is actually the withdrawal of application is what we call it. You're only allowed to do it once in your lifetime within 12 months of filing your application. The first month you received a benefit. Um, we saw this actually in the beginning of the pandemic where people lost their jobs. They were 63, 64. They weren't sure about another job. So they filed, started getting benefits. You'll fill out a form. It is available on our website as a withdrawal form, the SSA 521, I believe. And what the thing you have to do, though, is you have to pay us back in one lump sum everything you received and no interest is charged. You have to pay it all back to us. Once we get the money back, we got your form. We act as if you never filed an application at all. Then in the future, you can contact us at a later point. It's got to be within 12 months of when you filed and you only allowed to do it once in your lifetime now. Got you. Okay. So if you filed for benefits, you change your mind within 12 months, you can withdraw the benefits, pay back what you've been paid essentially mm-hmm. with no interest. And right. it's as if it never happened. Right. Okay. Oh, and another factor with that too, if we're out to mention, if you have a spouse who's getting benefits from you, they also have to withdraw and pay everything back they receive too. So that's another factor we've been seeing a little bit. Okay. So you can't withdraw one and not the other if there's a right. benefit being paid. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Uh, okay. So the last thing is, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the solvency of the program. Uh, uh-huh. You know, there are a lot of headlines. I know uh, the, the Social Security Administration's trustee report comes out every year with uh-huh. projections and estimates. And of course, the CBO has put some stuff out recently. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it raises a lot of concerns for a lot of people. And, you know, it's a political uh, discussion as well as a math discussion. The, the math is pretty simple. I mean, there's going to be a problem if something doesn't change. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we talked about changes that have been made in the past. You talked about mm-hmm. 1983. I think there were some changes mm-hmm. that have made where we actually, the normal retirement age moved from 65 to 67 for mm-hmm. some of us, as an example. So there are changes that have been made in the past. But I'm just curious how you might answer uh, someone at one of your workshops that says, you know, I don't trust the system. Uh The, uh, you know, the CBO says we're going to be out of money in 2033. How would you answer that to a concerned um, public citizen? 
we always explain to them, um, as long as somebody's paying the social security taxes and the Medicare taxes, they'll, they'll have to figure out a way how to distribute the coverage to everybody. Um, based on our last trustees report in May of 2022, um, the social security retirement fund is able to pay out benefits till 2034. And then after that point, it's only 77% solvent. People sometimes misunderstand solvency. They don't understand. It's like not all the funds are gone. It's a fact of how much we can pay out. And as you mentioned back in 1983, that was a huge, huge legislative change that kept us going. Think yeah, the Greenspan, they, they had a commission, the Greenspan yes, commission got together. The big debated. bipartisan committee got yeah. together. Yeah. And because of that, even with recessions, the baby boomers, we are still going strong. The big factor people just don't think about is our demographics as a country. Um, I looked at some numbers, um, 2020, 2020, we have 56 million people right now who are 65 and older. Wow. In 2035, it's going to be over 70 million people, 65 right. and older. Yes, math. Yeah. It's just math. It really is. And right. we always remind people it is to speak with your elected officials about your concerns, because back in 1983, they made the changes that were necessary to keep us going. But we will always be there for you. It's just there may be a change in how much we're able to pay out. But at this time, there are no changes. And we want you to remind individuals that, you know, think of us as a part of your plan. But also, if you have any concerns, speak to your elected officials regarding that, because we're we're going through a major demographic change in this country. The number of workers to recipients is switching drastically. We're having less children. So there's a lot of factors that we can't deny are about to happen. But again, we are still solvent through 2034 as of now. And it'll be interesting to see what a trustees report for 2023 will be when it comes out in May. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned that in our uh, sort of our pre-call chat about mm -hmm. You know the pandemic, and uh, there's you know um, because obviously um, you know a lot of things have changed in the last two or three years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think your trustees report that had the seventy-seven percent number. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, while that's not anything anybody wants to hear, I mm -hmm. mean that's not the end of the world either. If we plan for it, I mean, I think mm -hmm. the challenge is: um, are there other unforeseen things down the road? But again, uh, the point I think we take away here is that uh, it it's you know it is it is it is called the third rail for a reason. I mean, it's very I mean it's popular with all of us because it's been mm -hmm. an important benefit to to all of us. Uh, and I, I I mean the, the the thing I typically say is look it's 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 an embedded benefit that we've all grown accustomed. It's unlikely mm -hmm. to go away, but uh, but it may have to be tweaked in order to pay the benefits that are promised to the next generations. Um, and so we, you know, we, we have to be adults about this at some point and do what's necessary, but 77% funded uh, is not, is not zero, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's, so it's, it's not, it's not quite as dire as it may sound, but we do have to be adults about it, I think as a country and, and make these changes or at least start having the, the debate in a healthy way, um, which right now is very difficult with the political environment. But uh, well, this has been, as expected, uh, a lot of information in a short period of time. Uh -huh. But you're but you're terrific in communicating uh, some of the basic rules and, and the things for us to think about. Alicia, is there anything else that you would like to share um, um, that our audience might find helpful? Definitely. One of the most important things we want you to do to start your basic planning, like Jeff mentioned, planning is so important for your retirement. 
is to go online to our website at socialsecurity.gov. We just revamped it. So it does look different if you haven't been on it in a couple months. We want you to create an online account called a My Social Security account because that is where you can get your social security statement, your basic planning tool whenever you want to. You don't have to wait for it to come in the mail. You can save it as a PDF. You can print it out. You're working with Jeff. And so you've got your statement available for him to review over it with you or any of your trusted resources you use. We encourage you to do that first. Second thing we have is a new retirement calculator within your online account. A lot of us may be 10 to 15 years from retiring. We're in a pretty steady job. You can add in what you think you're going to earn over the next 10 to 15 years. And the best part is you can create multiple scenarios within the calculator, a certain age point you want to be at or a time point. So please take advantage of the My Social Security account for planning purposes. And once you start to receive benefits, you can change your address, your phone number, um, it's February right now, so we're in the middle of tax season. If you've lost your 1099 from Social Security, you can go on the online account and print it out. So we have a lot of services we're continuing to add, including replacement Social Security cards online, which is the number one reason why people visit an office. Please take advantage of that and use that My Social Security account. It's a secure online portal, so we really do encourage you to take advantage of that. However, if you ever need to contact us, you have two different ways. You can, through our phones, we have our national toll-free number, which is one 800 or you can contact your local servicing office by visiting a website, go to our office locator and type in your zip code. We answer phones from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, excluding federal holidays. The key part is visit our website first. We've got a great frequently asked questions section. Take advantage of that. So you're not sitting on the phone wondering. It's straightforward and use the tools available on our website through our calculators to help you make an informed decision. Very, very helpful. Um, and again, thank you for endorsing planning. I mean, I I, I think what I want to communicate to the listener is uh, if you are moving in, you know, as you're planning for your retirement, um, you, you know, you need to do multiple scenarios to see which one benefits you in your unique circumstances. Um, you know, I'm not totally objective about this, but I would encourage you to use an advisor uh, who's up to speed on some of these rules and can help you model Mm -hmm. You might find that a value. And there's obviously great sources of finding uh, great advisors around the country if you're not not in our area. Uh, thank you so much, Alicia. This has been great. Um, you know, I, uh, I I always learn something when we when we chat and when I come to your sessions. Um, but it's really it's really helpful to get a primer on these things from time to time because it is it is so very important. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to remind the audience um, that you can learn more about all of this at the Social Security Website. You want to give that one more time, Alicia? What is the web address? It's www.ssa.gov or www.socialsecurityspell.gov. We use both websites. The official government websites always remember and in .gov. We want to really emphasize that part. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. You're going to the right side. So .gov mm -hmm. is really, really important. So anyway, uh, if you want to learn more about this, please check out that website. Um, as you all know, you've heard about it many, many times. I had a book that came out last October called The Money and Meaning Journey. Uh, I touch on retirement income planning in the book and, and uh, a, a small section on Social Security. But uh, you can check out the book at jeffbernierauthor.com or um, at all the online retailers, Amazon and, and so forth. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, give me any feedback on the show, uh, you can be reached at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. And if you want to learn more about our firm, you just go to our corporate website, tandemgrowth.com. Great being with you today and, uh, and take care. 
Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.